It's happy hour again from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. We're live at Casa Borrega. Casa Borrega is a restaurant, a bar, and a live music venue on Aretha Castle Boulevard in Central City, New Orleans. And happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans. And this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. <laughs> Other than we're all New Orleans sitting in a bar here at Casa Borrega. My special guest, this is a great show we have for you today. Sitting around the table here, my first guest on my left is Gennaro Giral. And look who's here. The fabulous Lynn Drury just walked in. Gennaro Jarrell is a recording artist, a producer, a composer, and a DJ who has been at it for over 24 years. Oh, you must have started when you were two or something. Yeah, look at you. Right. You look so young. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Lynn, how's it going? Pull up a chair, sit down, I'll get to you in a moment. Lynn Drury is here as well. But Thank you so much. How are you doing? Hey, we're good. Let me just finish introducing you to Gennaro Jarrell. Are you, li- are you looking at him? <laughs> I'm looking uh, at him. Take a good look. Okay, there you go. Gennaro's produced uh, projects for the last 24 years under pseudonyms like Dr. Who Dat, The Shape of Broad Minds, Capital Peoples, and others, and has worked with a wide range of artists, including Blur frontman Damon Albarn, Albarn's virtual band Gorillaz, TV on the radio Massive Attack, Beck, and Radiohead's Tom York. It's like a list of who's who in the music biz. Since 2004, Gennaro's released 12 albums. His most recent is a collaboration with hip-hop legend MF Doom, calling himself JJ Doom for this outing, called Key to the Cuffs, which is an interesting title, which we'll get to. Gennaro shared the stage with legends from Radiohead to Jay-Z. And here in New Orleans, Gennaro curates a monthly music and live arts showcase called Viberian Experience at the New Fret Street Hangout. Gasa Gasa. It's great to have you. Welcome to Happy Hour. Also joining us, Veronica Russell is Artistic Director of Louisiana History Alive, a theatre company whose cast of actors are reenactors, portraying such notable historical New Orleans figures as Marie Laveau, John James Audubon, Jean Lafitte, and many more who wander the streets of the French Quarter in character. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen these people? It's Walk in the French Quarter? Yeah. Have you seen well, that? We, we, do the, we do the quarter during the Christmas season, yes. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. I have a friend, I think, that does that. Well, as that's well. an interesting yeah. revelation, right there. You have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> you think you have. Glenn, a friend. things are picking she up all, all around. I have seen you guys. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Thanks. It Thanks. is crazy, it's right? Tons of fun. Uh, yes. Veronica plays the part of Storyville Madam Josie Arlington. Mm-hmm. Yes, so she's tons of fun too. That must be a good character <laughs> to play in the world of more traditional theatre. Veronica is an award-winning actress who's been active in local theatre since 1996, and whose most recent notable performances last year were in Under Milkwood. Battle of Angels and Venus and Furs. Mm-hmm. What's yep. Venus and Furs about? Uh, Venus and Fur, it's, uh, it's a play. It was very popular off-Broadway year before last. It was like the big breakthrough off-Broadway show in New York. And um, this year, uh, last March, we did it uh, at uh, Southern Rep. Well, we did it at the CAC because Southern Rep was in, in various locations. And um, it's a two-person play. It's about a playwright who has written a stage adaptation of the famous S&M novel Venus and Fur uh, by Leopold von Sacher-Mazach. And he's we, auditioning... We all, you all knew about that, right? You knew about Leopold von what? Mazach. Zacher-Mazach is where the word masochism comes from. Ah! ah. No, we did not know oh, that. It's a history lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but he's, this, this playwright has written this theatrical adaptation of this play, and he's trying to audition the female lead. Why and does the word masochism come from the sky? What did he do that was masochistic? <laughs> well, he, he, was, he was like the Marquis de Sade in reverse, sort of. Um, he, it was, he just wrote this very seminal work on the subject. Well, it's a, it's a fictional work uh, Masochism is a person who likes to hurt themselves. No, no, no. He likes to have somebody else hurt them. Someone else hurts you. Okay, yes. is that right? Well, they, they enjoy pain and, and subjugation and being, they, Ma- they enjoy being dominated. Right. Lynn. A masochist. I say... M, me, masochist, mm. sadist, sadist, they like to hurt others, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Is that how you figure it? That's how you remember it? <laughs> I remember it <laughs> as, <laughs> I don't get confused. that's how, that's my Why do you have to keep those two things <laughs> I think, separate? I think it would be why very do you important have to, to keep them straight. Yeah, but why do you have to think of, why, why is that coming to your it's world just, at all? It's always confused me. I'm like, which one is which? <laughs> and that's the way I remember it. So. Well, you remember M because masochism begins with M like me. Me. Mm-hmm. Are you a masochist, Lynn? You like to suffer? <laughs> This conversation has taken an interesting it's turn. Like, well, we Possibly. haven't even introduced Lynn officially yet. <laughs> considering, <laughs> considering the men that I've chosen to like, right. yes. 
Really? Yes, absolutely. So you have a history of choosing men who hurt you? Don't like me. Don't like <laughs> 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 Oh, no. How do, you, how do you attract them? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm investigating this. I'm doing a lot right. of uh, uh, mental um, clearing therapy. Are you, are you in Scientology? No. Hmm. Can I interest you? I don't think so. In Scientology? <laughs> oh, that's where I've heard the word clearing. That's what they do in Scientology. Oh, really? Yes. You I get clear. I don't know. Maybe these tapes someone sent me are. <laughs> 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 Who sent them to you? A good friend in New York just yeah. sent me a bunch of, you know, tapes. What I, you know, I'm always working on trying to be... Trying to make yourself into a better person trying or a be, yeah. happier person? Ha- yeah. Well, what's well, the basis of the tapes? So a lot of them are just, you know, like while you're, if you have a problem or an issue that keeps popping up in your mind, you Mm. know, I mean, you're part of that. So if you think, ah, this person is horrible to me or you you keep thinking about it, it's your energy that needs to let that go. So there's these methods of, um, well, you can just, you know, inside your head, you can say... I love you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you to people while you're talking to them. And Are you thinking that now when you're looking at me? I could. <laughs> it would make everything. And it's really wow. powerful. So you're looking at me, talking to me about something, and you're really thinking, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. Please forgive me. It sort of covers all the bases that could be. But it, you're putting yourself in the position of a victim right off by saying, forgive me. What do you, what am I having to forgive issue. you for? Um, that was an issue. But I think, I think if everyone were walking around saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. The well, energy, the energy would just change. Yes, if everyone was doing it, but that's mm. not the problem. The problem is that it, you're the only person doing it. Does <laughs> <laughs> put you at a slight disadvantage. Yeah. And and another another really powerful yeah. technique that I just um, these tapes were free, right? They were free. Okay, good. All right. I What's the pe- other part? I think people have paid for them. Yeah. So if you have this problem with this person, you can't get it off your mind, and you just want to be cleared of this obstacle in your brain, you mm. can just um, you sort of meditate. And you envision that person as this image in front of you, and you start talking to them, and you're just sort of curiously looking at them, and then you say, "What do you want?" You know, and you, you say you start to just not in an anger or anything, and then you start scooping out your energy inside and feeding it to them until they're smiling. It's pretty crazy. And this person is non-existent, though, it's right? This is just in your m- imagination. You're like. So this is someone who's hurt you, say. Let's give, him a, let's give him a name. Who was it? <laughs> <laughs> John, say. Not doing it. Okay, John. Let's say it's John. There's, I mean, there's a lot of people called John. Not doing it, but it was Okay, so uh, some, guy hurt, some guy hurt you. How did he hurt you, say? Let's make that up. <laughs> <laughs> Broke your heart. Said he was in love with you and then ran off or something. Is that what happened? You know, it, we must go there. We want to go there. Okay. Um, well, no, I just... Nothing like you know. You go away to Europe for a couple of weeks, and you come back, and you you had started seeing someone, let's say, right? And um, and then you get back. And so you Europe. went to Spain for a couple of weeks on tour. Say you did. Say someone did that. You come okay. back, and then they just don't ever. Just nothing. They don't want him. Like wonder what could happen. And what ha- what did happen? I don't know. He would tell me. It's you know because Kim Carson was on the show, and she's someone that you sang with right for a yeah. while. She told us the same story. Wasn't She's the same guy. He <laughs> 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 could be. He could be this like this two week Lothario in Spain who's just waiting for musicians from New Orleans to pass through and be like, oh, it's gonna be good for two weeks, and then somebody else is gonna kind of be fine. But this guy was your real boyfriend for two before you left. It was a connection that I enjoyed talking. Right. You know, we we talk for hours and and then hang out and we're spending a lot of time together and. So now you call him up and he doesn't return your phone call. He doesn't pick up I'm or he doesn't call- text you back or anything. I'm not calling. Well, what happened when you my, got back? It was back? Thanksgiving and then my birthday when I got back from. D- no, well, happy yeah. birthday! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, See, so he couldn't even do that. <laughs> so he, you call him up and he doesn't talk to you. He won't pick up the he phone. He wouldn't. He wouldn't say what what had happened. So he I tried. Just said, he just said, "I don't want to do this anymore." He never said anything. I still have no closure. Wow. <laughs> That's the worst. Well, what, Janira, what do you make of that as a guy? He's just not well, that as a technique. Me, right? He's just not that <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. What would you suggest? Well, I mean, that's, I would never do that, but um, I'm trying to put my mind, my, my getting this 
kind right. of zone, I guess. Uh, maybe it's a thing where, uh, well, first of all, how did you meet him? I should ask. Um, I met him. I was, I played an art gallery during Art for Art's Sake. Mm. And it was a friend's gallery. And it was really, really super, super hot that night. I was really super muggy. I was outside sweating. And he was, he lives in the neighborhood. So, so it started with a soak through wet t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Was it instant, like, no. connection, like, yeah. passion kind of thing? Or was it more of, like, more just... More just, we talked for six hours. Mm. Wow. interesting. It's six. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. That's Nonstop. Cool. I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Gotta go. Okay. <laughs> that, so that's, a, that's the next question, Doctor. What would you ask next? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's move. Uh, let's move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's quite interesting. We'll get on to the introduction in a minute. <laughs> well, what, did he seem like? I'm the type? just glad it's not me. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you're next. <laughs> I don't. He's gonna maybe listen, and I. Well, maybe he'll. Oh, maybe something will come of it. Maybe he'll have the courage to tell you. Well, so I liked him. He was a professor of poetry and literature, and I thought, wow, how cool. Not at getting too specific. At the at the college that I graduated. Mm -hmm. from where, where so did you graduate from actually University of Southern Mississippi oh really so he was just happened to be visiting here no he lives here he lives here and teaches at the University of Southern so we're now we're narrowing it down yeah. <laughs> this is a professor of poetry and did you say giving him way too much credit <laughs> <laughs> he lives in New Orleans and teaches at the University of Southern Mississippi if you don't know this guy by now someone listening you can google it you, can totally google. Google. you, got, you, got, you got plenty of nouns now that you can google it he sounds interesting yeah. is he otherwise uh are there problems like married or anything that's like that? what i was gonna ask dun, no. dun, dun. Any doesn't have a family in mississippi somewhere wherever where is that college is it in oxford mississippi or something no um there's two. There are two campuses, one in Hattiesburg and one in Long Beach. Long, okay, I don't know either of those two. There's places. a Long Beach in Mississippi. Mississippi. Oh. I had no idea. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> the only one I know about is the one in California. <laughs> so <laughs> does he have a place out there in Long Beach or somewhere as well? Well, who knows? Oh, we don't know. We never got that far. <laughs> so this guy drives back that's and forth every day, no matter who this is, but that's a hell of a commute. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's a long drive, right? For a poet. It's an hour and something. Not at all. <laughs> what, poets don't drive. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know That's any an poets. It's the only guy leave. I know is a poet. Actually, <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting this guy. I'm okay, so I, I think Jack Kerouac would debate red. you on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that, of course. Okay, so you come back from Spain. So you went to Spain. Shall I shall I introduce you formally, like I do with everybody else? And they give me this little script. So why shouldn't I read it? I, I, is it good? No. <laughs> it's, it's probably better than what you've been stop, put through. Stop me if it sucks. Okay. Lynn Drury is a New Orleans singer-songwriter who plays around town, across the country, and around the world, including Spain, apparently now. <laughs> Lynn's most recent outings have included appearances at a as disparate as a tour of Spain <laughs> and a weekend afternoon gig in rural Alabama. Lynn's released four albums. Is that true? Six. Lynn's released six albums, including her last and most impressive, Sugar on the Floor. That was a great album with all those people. That was the last time we talked to you was on the show yep. when you just finished yep. making that, I think. And I'm, I'm, I just made another one, so it'd be number seven. Number Lucky seven's number coming seven. up. It's called Come to My House. Yes. And it's actually, you can still contribute to that on, what's it called? Pledgemusic.com. Pledgemusic.com. Uh, for as little as 10 bucks, you can get a download. And I looked at it today. It, for $20, it says you can give 20 bucks and Lynn will give you some bad advice. <laughs> now I see. Now I see. That's not a She's joke. Got these tapes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll call you up. I'll. I can sing Happy Birthday or something. That's what it actually <laughs> says on this thing. Though, if, if uh -oh. we give twenty bucks, you're going to call us up and give us bad advice. And now I believe it. That's. Weird. <laughs> I thought it was a sort of a joke. <laughs> I believe it or not, a girl that sat on the plane with me a couple of years ago has oh. found me. She now lives here. She was 18. She wants a mentor. I'm like, yeah. she's like, you just seem like really cool. Can we hang out? And I'm like, <laughs> too much responsibility. Wow. Yeah. I never had kids, so, you know. <laughs> like, How old is she now? She's 18 she's now. 20. She's 20 now. Does she have a job? She's gotten a job as an art instructor here in New Orleans. No. So, hmm. yeah, I'm like, cool. Let's have coffee. How, how old is the poet? Hmm? How old is the poet? Is he an older guy? or Exactly my age, which was mm. really cool. Mm. But, you know. I'm well, <laughs> you think, no. you know, you think a poet would be in touch with his feelings divulged. and be able to, you know, express if them. any of us express yeah. them. I'm not going to divulge that information. Yeah. Exactly. So, Lynn, you want to, hey, Lynn, you brought your guitar here, I see. That's a I good do. move. You want to play something? Sure. 
What do you think? Okay. And we're going to listen to some of De Niro's music as well. And Veronica, can you sing? No, what I about <laughs> what about doing a, a speech? A from, well, we have to talk about um, what it's like to play the part of a madam. <laughs> I can do that. That's a, <laughs> that's a really that. fascinating. Oh, it's tons gig. of fun. It's yeah. tons of fun. Once you get past the yeah, the weird history that? nerd aspect of it, it's it's really one of the most interesting acting jobs um, to act first person, unrehearsed, improvisationally with the public, and never break character. Yeah. Uh, and to have to be able to have these casual conversations because um, we don't go out and act like all afraid of planes and oh my god a, an automobile you know we, that's, we don't do anything like that I mean lord knows when, when Josie Arlington was around she rode in automobiles so what, we've what year was Josie Arlington around? Ah, Josie Arlington she was born in 65 and died in um, no she was born in 64 died in 1914 so, she was Born in 1865. Oh, 1865. Yes. Yeah. I had to figure that. That's reverse. We do that. Yeah, we do this weird shorthand, but but it's interesting. You know, we we get into that habit because that's what you would have said if you were born in the 19th century. You would have said, "Oh, back in 65," because 1965 wouldn't have happened yet, and 1765 is too hard, far back to refer to. You know, so so it's very interesting. Where was she born? Uh, West Bank. Oh. It was uh, on the West Bank yep. here in mm-hmm. 1865. Yep, um, it was called Mechanicsburg back then. Um, but it's was Gret- it really? It's Gretna now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gretna was so called Mechanicsburg. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're learning Gretna. a lot of things here. You got a two-day sweep. You wouldn't believe the minutia. Well, I didn't know who invented masochism until today. I don't know. So now we know that. And we're learning a lot. Gretna was called Mechanicsburg. And don't trust a poet from Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned so far. And we haven't even listened to it. Lynn, Lynn, your guitar looks nice and beat up. Yeah. So what are you going to play? The story of my life. What is <coughs> Beat up. Beat up. <laughs> Aw. Last time we talked to you, you were looking for a Latin lover. <laughs> See, I think what m- might have happened, I went over and played with my ex in uh, Italy. No, I think there was some like total just Did anything happen with your ex when you no, were in Italy? No, and he that's a long time ago, but right. I think that But yeah, you were looking for uh, someone to take his place last time we thought, spoke. Yeah. Mm. Well, that must be someone who really likes no you. No one has taken, you know, no one. I'm just I'm just hanging out. I'm trying to well, we, we play a lot of gigs. And right. Are yeah. you single and available then, in case anyone listening <laughs> I would, am would like to meet you? Single. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't really. Yeah, I got to get my mojo back, you know? Yes. Well, we're going to give it back when, to you. When you go after people that reject you, it's like this familiar feeling that you. Oh, that's awful. You get used to this. That feeling, and then it's the only thing you know, so it's familiar, so that's easy. So the you don't have rejection. to step out and do. You just write but, a song. But I would say, well, there is that. But I would say that you know, if it makes you feel any better, that every relationship doesn't work out until it does. You know, like every right. relationship comes to an <laughs> end until you happen to be lucky enough to meet someone who it works out with. So, you know, the search goes on, but it, it doesn't mean anything just because it's going on longer for you than you want it to other than it's just going on still yes do you um do and, you have a, you have and a series I love of tapes you. i can yes. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking i love you while i'm talking to you can you tell that i can tell but really why are you you don't seem you seem to be a little bit in despair about this whole thing is you blaming yourself somehow yes i attracted that into my life so i want to stop attracting people that of that ilk Starting right now. <laughs> and what ilk is that? Someone who doesn't appreciate you. Right. God damn it. Hello. Okay. I think I'm pretty cool anyway. We'll take a vote. Yes, we all agree. What are you going to play? What are you playing? This is a brand new song that I just wrote, so it's a little rough around the edges, but we'll see. It's, um, I don't know what it's called. I sort of... Um, it's about a lot of things. It's kind of sad. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. We 
always been good Right in that fence Between black and white So don't make me choose Between this life What's the worst that could happen? Sort of, um, I don't know. I got really angry one night, and I felt like a token, you know, all in one, two days, I felt like the token white girl and the token female on a panel sort of thing. So, anyway, hmm. I, I Does that sort of read, took that home, and I, you know, I always have a horse theme in all of my songs. Horse. And it always comes back to the farm growing up you know so I think there's just yeah did that 
Gennaro, does that sound angry to you, that song? <laughs> no, no. It's very sad. Yeah, But it it's sort more. of, you know, we do need, I guess we do need to talk, you know? Mm. We just need to talk to each mm. other, and I don't know. Yeah. I felt used a bit, and I don't like that, and I could feel that I felt empathetic, too. Like, ah, I know how that feels mm. now. You know what I mean? Is this not about the this, this song about the guy again, or is it? No. It's just about a whole different other suffering. What would you do if you were happy? I had a song called that. What would you do if you were happy? Years ago. What yeah. would you do if you were happy? Hmm. You seem, strangely, you seem sort of happy, doesn't oh, yeah. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I write sad songs, I think, when yeah. I'm really depressed. Work it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do what? you do when you get to play the part of a madam? Does it does it take you out of yourself? There's only, there's only so far I'm allowed to go uh, legally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> does it take you out of yourself though when you're? It's very interesting. Um, I mean, I think anytime you perform a character, if you're doing it fully, it's going to take you out of yourself a little bit. I think actors are notoriously uncomfortable with themselves, and that's why we all harbor this desire to be somebody else. Uh, one of the best things about doing a play or a movie that's scripted, the thing I love about it is it's incredibly liberating to go somewhere for two hours and knowing how that two hours is going to end up because you don't get that in life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Even if you're on the, the, the shit end of the stick, as they say, and like, <laughs> I know how this is going to play out, and I can do this. <laughs> um, you don't get that so much with the improvisational stuff that we do, but it, it does. It's like you have a certain imperviousness and a certain impunity in your behavior. Um, that and, and with Josie Arlington in particular, so much of it's in the costume, too. So what did she like used to wear? What do you wear? On, um, it's, um, it's about a 1906 day suit uh, designed after uh, one of the leading French design houses were the Cayossers, the Cayo sisters out of, out of Paris. And um, it's a kind wow. of a butterscotch day suit. People are kind of surprised that it looks very conservative, but we're talking about 1906. But I also, there's a very extreme corset that goes with it and a mm. giant hat. So it's flamboyant and conservative. So are you wearing time. a corset in this thing? Uh, not right yourself? now, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I wear about a 20-inch corset. 20 inch what does that mean you wasting that being well the corset itself is 20 inches you don't ever lace a corset completely shut but i'm about down to 22 when i wear the corset wow and what's your normal waist size 25 and a half so you're squeezing three to four inches of yourself but that's not unusual that's Mm. not unusual i sold corsets for years and years and you always buy a corset four to six inches smaller than you are and i've sold corsets to women that were up to 10 inches smaller than they are and the curvy you are and the softer you are the more you can um, squeeze in. It's, squeeze funny, in. it's funny you mentioned that. We, me and my wife were just talking about mm-hmm. corsets awesome. and getting one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And Which one of you is going to get it? <laughs> oh, come on. I, I can, I can make a arrangements fair question. for either of yeah. you to get fitted. I, I, I oh, know people. my lord. Um, but but uh. it's people, people kind of freak out about that. And I think because they think of the idea of wearing a belt or a waistband that's that much smaller than your waist, and that would be very uncomfortable. It's just this little strip around the middle. But corsets have about 26 pieces of vertical steel boning in them. And so it's the support goes all the way from the rib cage to the top of the hip. So it's really just kind of hugging you in. It's not like you have this tiny little right. It's not Is it su- sucking you in like Spanx? No, it's more. It's like Spanx made out of steel. Wow! So you, can, you know, you, yeah. you know, you, is it is it uncomfortable as all hell? Uh, no, actually, it's funny. I get more uncomfortable with shoes with a high heel than I do wearing a corset. Okay. But you have to get a corset that's fitted properly to you. You have to get one that's the right proportions for your body. Um, you know, you can buy the wrong shape of corset and end up with like right. a bruise above your kidney if you're not careful. Really? But, what yeah. is the wrong shape of corset? Aren't it they really all depends. hourglass type? Well, yeah. it depends because different women have like oh, you've torso got to be or fit- short oh, torso right, right. or a small so, rib cage or broad hips. So for my wife. Well, Let's well, look at Indigo. Let's I'm measure her up. <laughs> <laughs> look, she's she's unzipping it. Ah, wow. Proportionate, and she's yeah. not naturally an extreme shape, right. so she could probably take a pretty a pretty wide range of styles. But she's not going to want a particularly long corset because she's okay. not super tall through the torso. How did you get um, onto the corset subject, you guys? Well, what do we? What? How do you not? How happen? did that happen? <laughs> was it like oh? Uh, something was watching last night on uh, what channel was that? Um, Perhaps you shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. No, it, what was it? I'm trying to remember. Was it like ah? Uh, 
Oh, yeah, it was on Spike on TV. Spike TV. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. It was a show about uh, this <laughs> people having sex, but they're like have different like accidents while having sex. Like one guy had a the stroke. show about that. Oh, ah, yeah. wow, <laughs> nice. Worst reality show ever. Yeah. What a great idea. <laughs> Another great idea. Terrible things that happen during sex. That's exactly what, what a great about. concept <laughs> for a show. people are not not having sex enough, let's make them afraid of it. <laughs> Do you think? Uh, uh, there's another yeah, whole other subject, but first of all, so what are some of... Do they reenact it? They reenact it, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, Fantastic. Yes, it was, it was quite so they a So actors for this. Yes, there's the good oh, news. Yes. The good news yes. is you got the part. The bad news is you have to play the part of a guy having yeah. a stroke yeah, while he's yeah. fucking somebody. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So, what, oh, what, uh, so you're watching this and you thought, corset. and you thought, honey, you look good in one of those corsets, like like the woman who got I her know back this broken. This chick died, well, but yeah. you wouldn't have to die. <laughs> right, right. Well, no. So, yes, a young lady had one on. I was like, oh, I kind of like those, you know. And that's how it all came up. Okay. Yeah. It's innocent, <laughs> like it does, like on a regular Wednesday night. Yeah. So I didn't know I'm about that show. Little, well, so little what little are some of the snuff film watching? <laughs> How did that happen? Like we do. accidentally ended up on that. Yeah, show. I know. That's that's how it happens on TV. No, no one sets out to watch a you show know? called nah. Terrible Things That Happen no. While I Fucked Your Sister or anything like that. What um what were some of the things that happened? You know, what actually were they? Uh gosh. Uh what's what can I say that? Well this one <laughs> one guy ended up uh breaking himself. His penis. Yes. Ouch. Yeah. Busted off his penis. <laughs> I don't even have one of those, and I can still say. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a good. What did you? Did they? Did they sh- tell you how that happened? Had uh, she been? Had she been doing Pilates or something? <laughs> how did that? He was just or, too too rough. And that's rough. Know, wow. Backing, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then there was another one when a guy broke his wrist. While he was in, in right, wasn't that not jerking off or anything? <laughs> that was a stroke. Oh, that would be oh sorry, that's a stroke. Yeah, that would be just while he was having <laughs> sex with someone else, not himself. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but that was all. I only caught those two uh, little parts. I know I went into other stuff, but yeah. what a anyway. what a great concept. But you know the the weird thing about that show, not that I've seen it, but mm. I guess they're true, are they, or are yeah, they not true? To be based so on somebody stories. has to tell you that it happened to them. It's Why would you want to do that? Yeah, it's similar to the show 100, what was that, Thousand Ways to Die? Some show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's seen, very similar to that. I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. But so you know, like the, idea of, the idea of why would you ever tell anyone that is the basis for all of the talk shows for the past 25 years, you know? Uh, I mean, right. I, I used to remember I when Jerry Springer first got started. Right. Yeah. Right. Why would you go on television and tell the world this happened to you or your family yeah. or that this is, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. Everybody wants to be on TV at that Quietly point. live in shame with it for the rest of your life. Don't don't put this on television. Yeah. That was before the internet, though, where that if you wanted any publicity, you had to get on TV. But These now you can make it. don't understand privacy. No, no <laughs> You way. can make a video of yourself at home. You don't have to go on TV and, yeah. and do that. But I guess they, they still do. I'm as dysfunctional as anybody on TV mm. right now. That's right. Yeah. What were you going to say? Do you know, you had something came to you no, about. No, no, I was just thinking of another stupid thing that happened is that one guy... He was like very overweight. What was he like? Four hundred pounds? Yeah, he was. If you can get someone to have sex with you, four hundred pounds. Yeah, things yeah. are picking up. That's what happened. All over. <laughs> okay. And I guess he got really into it, and um, she ended up. The girl that he was with, ended, her head ended up through the, <laughs> the wall, and wow. she was unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he stop then, or? Well, yeah, he was all nervous and like, so. yeah, you know, like. So they had to get a four hundred pound actor to play that. Yeah, it was a. Yeah. Did they have the real people on as well? They did. They did. He wow. lost a lot of weight uh, eventually, but yeah. I gotta watch the yeah, show. I gotta get. Was, Sp- I don't know if I get Spike TV. And then when she comes back too, she's like, he's like, "Are you okay? Oh no!" He's just she's like, "What happened? Why you stop?" <laughs> oh yeah, God. yeah. That's <laughs> That's because it seemed as though it would have been in bad form to continue. Yeah, yeah. Ah. So Ronker, I've, I've been wanting to ask you this question now for a good five minutes. Why did you used to sell corsets? Oh, that was that was just my day job. Where? Uh, Trashy Diva. Here in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I did that for about nine years. Mm-hmm. You must have met some interesting people. Oh, yeah, I'm just retail, you know. Were they all women? Uh, the corset? Uh, not entirely. I would say 98% of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of these guys who walk around town dressed up as women came in to buy corsets? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I got very I'm few... I'm hoping it is funny. Uh, well, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's not funny. Ha, ha. It's just <laughs> ah. interesting. Um, I got very few transvestite customers. Um, there's this... 
like this goth counterculture. There's like little mm. goth boys who like to wear corsets too. So, oh yeah, you know, I would get like these these slim little pale guys that would come in and be like, oh, I want a black waist and shirt or whatever, wow. you know. So, and Lynn. again, different body types. So we had different styles that worked better for guys. Is mm. your hip to waist ratio is different? Interesting. I'm gonna I bring like the math in there to make it super sexy. <laughs> I like pain. I I need one. <laughs> You're good. This brings us all the way back around dun, to dun, dun, dun. So is it true, not to cut mm-hmm. anybody off, but is it true that it reshapes like where your organs? Not really. Okay. Um, because I get, I, there was a phase that the phrase waste training became very popular because of the interwebs, I think. And, you know, people would be like, oh, well, I want to start waste training. And in order to actually physically change your body, you have to do one of three things. You either have to do like the Victorians did and start wearing a corset when you're 11 years old. Yeah and simply wear it every day while you're still growing, in which case your body will grow into that shape. Um, you have to commit to wearing, if you're already a grown adult, you have to really commit to wearing your corset every day, buying a corset that you can sleep into, because once sleep your bones, in. yeah, once your bones are grown and set, it's very hard to reshape a f- completed rib cage. Yeah. And why would you I know, it's like, you know, and the third thing you can do, the only shortcut is if you start corseting right after you've had a baby. Your ribs soften up to uh, to allow for the expansion of the rib cage. Mm, mm. So if you get fitted for a corset just as soon as you find out you're you're pregnant, have the baby start corseting immediately. You can actually shape your body a little bit. Um, but I mean, you can buy a corset four to six inches smaller than you and wear it when you feel like it, and leave it in the drawer when you don't feel like it. But if you start wearing them every day and feel fabulous, <laughs> I know. On those if, days, if you do the the hard way and you start wearing them every day and sleeping in them, you you like your back muscles start to atrophy because there's a whole lot of stuff that your back does that it won't be doing if it's immobilized in a corset, and you'll bend over to pick up a sock one day and throw your back out. So. So we were really kind of like, mm, you know, you're not really going to waste train, but I'll give you an awesome corset that's going to make you feel awesome. And you're yeah. going to wear it a lot at first, and then right. you're going to wear it less, but you're still going to love it. And <laughs> right. That's all we need. Right. Well, back to Lynn's question. Why do people want to do that? Because they have a body image problem? I don't think it's a body image problem. Um, well, I mean, I guess I can't speak to everybody. I'm sure I had my share of customers that had body image problems. But um the it there was an interesting study that was done that was done exclusively with women's silhouettes and this was a university study that was done a while back and they showed different women's silhouettes to men of varying ethnicities and international uh you know different cultures and whatever and the universal silhouette that was considered the most attractive across the board by everybody was a certain waist to hip differential didn't have anything to do with big boobs it didn't have anything to do with big legs or tall or short or whatever it was the waist to hip curve that means that a curve not just a distance well, but the, 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 sh- the difference between the waist and the hip size well I'm just looking at my own waist so. to hip ratio here well guys don't really have much you're talking about a couple, a couple of inches here it, you as are, you should but be yeah, I right. think it was um, a 75% waist to hip ratio was considered ideal what does it mean 75% it means your waist is 75% of your hip measurement that if you have um, if you have a what is it, a 40-inch hip, then your waist should be 28, maybe? I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's hard to do the math in my head. But So this is like the hourglass It's kind of like figure? that 10-inch difference mm. sort of thing, yes. So it's that, it's that, it's that <laughs> hourglass even, shape, but yes, without but the boobs, with the boobs a, cut off. Yeah, well, they, they showed the whole silhouette, but even women with no boobs that had the waist-hip differential were considered widely more attractive in silhouette. It's all about the butt. Then, <laughs> that's what I say. There it is. Um, a woman with larger boobs <laughs> that had no waist, you know, uh, yeah. distinction. No good. So, and that's what the corset is about. And a lot of women come in and they try on corsets and they want their boobs to look fabulous and they want their boobs to be big and they have an A cup and they want the corsets to make it look like a D cup and it's not about that. Mm. Um, it's about taking the waist in. If you've got big boobs, they'll kind of hike them up and everything, but it's not going to give you something you don't have in that regard. So, why is that? Because if you can <laughs> just get your waist to be skinnier, everyone will think you're hot. They, right. Well, well, I don't, I don't know if everybody's going to think you're hot. I suppose. Well, nine out of ten men. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, that's going to well, come out. Well, you find that out later. Um, yeah, but but, you know. but that is that is kind of a universal benchmark of attractiveness for the female figure is that waist to hip definition. Mm. Um, and mm. it's something that's very yeah, hard to get nowadays because we don't wear foundation garments anymore in that respect. Even into the 40s and 50s, women wore 
you know, uh, slimming foundation garments at the waist, even if they weren't wearing steel corsets. So you would appear to have a great waist-to-hip ratio, but in fact you don't. Well, if you wear them every day, if it's part of your daily wardrobe, your body's going to apportion its weight and fat in different places. You well, that's what you were just saying. Thing. It won't unless you wear it all night and all day. And <laughs> well, yeah, but we're talking about have like, a baby. Yes. Well, women in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s did wear foundation garments every day. They weren't wearing right. steel bone corsets, but they wore stuff that shaped their figure. Uh, we don't do that anymore, you know. Okay. So you grow into this shape, and some women would want a different shape, and that's what corsets do. Do you do you wear one in your daily life other than playing the part of a Not, madam? Well, I mean, sometimes when I go out, usually if I'm if I'm designing a costume for Mardi Gras or Halloween or whatever, it might have a corset in it. Um, okay. I don't wear them nearly as much as I did when I used to sell them. I used to wear them to work all the time, but right. um, you know. Hey, Janeiro, how did you end up living here in New Orleans? Uh, actually, my wife. She's a uh, her being an actress and everything. I know there's a healthy industry here for that and uh, to support her because I can kind of live wherever I want doing music that I do. So kind of worked out for us. So you you came here for your wife? Yeah, we we, we were That's we were in Los Angeles and yeah, and uh, the industry was just kind of you know she got a lot of work at one time, then it kind of slowed down and you know we just figured like let's just try another market and you know. And, How long uh, ago did you come here? What was that? 2010. Yeah. Well, you don't hear that very often. Most people come here for, you know, because they're in the music business and Mm -hmm. they come here to be in the music. Right. You know, where the music comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out for me in that way too. You know. I don't think. Have have you ever heard of people? I mean, as an actress, Veronica, do people do people move here these days for acting? Well, is it common? Some people. I think some. I think the market is. Yeah. It's it's floating down here a little bit. there's still a little bit of a stigma attached, I find, to uh, local performers as opposed to those who are from uh, larger markets. And um, your wife's probably, because she's got the Los Angeles background, has a little leg up in that. But, um, I mean, I've, I've been in, in situations myself where uh, they will put local performers much more through the ringer and audition you for roles that had just three or four lines and then they'll end up bringing somebody in from L.A. to play that part. And it's like, wow. Um, I thought they liked to the hire local because it's cheaper. Yeah. Well, you'd think it would be. You know, yeah. you don't have to fly them in. And, yeah. and it's certainly not for want of an experienced market down here because there are a lot of very talented and experienced people. But Los Angeles producers tend to be very nervous about local talent uh, for some reason. So, I mean, I've, mm. I've been on sets where I had three or four lines and the other actress in the scene also had three or four lines, and I would have known at least a half a dozen local actors who could have admirably acquitted this role, given the fact that the scene ended up getting cut out of the movie anyway for time. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, oh, all of these other actresses were flown in from L.A. to play these bit parts. What is that about? That is weird. Well, you know, what do you think of the music scene here, then, seeing you weren't coming to be a part of it at all, and now you assumedly are at least some part of it? Yeah, yeah. well, for me, um, I've always been a lover of jazz, so, you know, it was cool to, like, wow, I'm going to be in, like, the birthplace of jazz music yeah. you know so had you been here before uh yeah many years ago i used to live in houston so you know a long time ago like come up for uh well mardi gras at the time yeah and um <laughs> so i kind of my experiences was very um how can i put it wasn't that great only because i was like i was young and it was like there's a lot of uh, knuckleheads and, you know, had to deal with that element. You went to Bourbon Street. Yeah, right? that's yeah, well, Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. She said it. Yeah, well, Mardi Gras in New Orleans and Bourbon Street, that's not Yeah, that's you not know, New Orleans. young knuckleheads trying to be cool. And, you know, they so all come from somewhere else. Yeah, because so. we were from Houston. It was like, he was from Houston coming up here. Yeah, so. Everybody were, on Bourbon Street is from Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's 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 where we uh, end up yeah, going. Well. So I didn't really really experience like New Orleans like I wanted to, you know. So now I had the proper chance to do that. So what goes on at Gusta Gusta? What what is the Vibarian experience that you're hosting? Um, well, the Vibarian experience is basically the Vibarian is a, a whole thing where I I came up with where it's like, you know, I never felt like I was part of. Um, like I did a lot of hip hop music at the time and I still do, but I'm very diverse, you know, but I felt like there was no home for what I did because the type of hip hop I was doing wasn't like, you know, going on at that time, you know, so I didn't feel comfortable. I kind of felt like an outside uh, outcast. So I, you know, I called my thing. I didn't call it a genre. I just said it's the vibrating experience. So a lot of my music have the title of like 
um, Vibrarian Twilight, Vibrarian Sun, Vibrarian, you know, I just kind of went with that theme, and um, that just became my thing. And then when I got here, um, well, before I got here, when I was in L.A., I wanted to do a night called Vibrarian Experience, but it just wasn't right. Um, but when I got here, I, like, met all these cool musicians and open-minded people, creative people, and... Um, it was like, you know, and also like electronic producers that were very familiar with, with my sound too. So kind of like, I didn't have so much explaining to do like about like the direction. So it was cool to see other people already going in a similar direction, but in their own way. And I was like, yeah, man, this is a perfect place to start. I think the Vibrarian experience, you know, and, uh-huh. and we've been doing it and it's been successful. And we were at the very yeah. sort of hip, intelligent, complex end of this kind of electronic hip hop music. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting that it's, I mean, it's found its way into all sorts of people's music. It's not like no one's accepted you. Right. You're super successful. But it's great to be able to do something live like that where you can go see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so are you playing live on these shows? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last show we did, the, uh, we had the orchestra, which is uh, 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 Monica McIntyre was on cello. And um, uh, who else we had? We had uh, T-Ray, the violinist. Um, huh? Oh, yeah, Tara Reynolds. She was on violin. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, you're familiar with Tara. Yeah. yeah, me and Monica are in the honeypots together. Oh, see, that's why you're <laughs> saying it's a small town. Let's take a listen to something for people who aren't familiar with what we're talking about. All right. We've teed up this really short track. It's 1 minute and 29 seconds long. Which one is it? The sign? The sign. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Chris, let's take a listen to that. You get some idea what we're talking about. Solid as a rock like Ash for the Simpsons. Yeah. One that Bob Marley with my song of redemption. Yeah. Rescuing humble men from the world that we live in. Holding back tears of anger and fist clenching. Yeah. Liking this to something far from this dimension. Like crashing comments and terrorize my fellow Russians. But ain't no fear, I'm here in the name of love. With a couple of beers in the cooler to get buzzed. Well, maybe later, not now. We keep it kosher. Going, going through the motions like oceans eroding and sculpting my words that's exploding. Unloading these clips, not those clips, but the ones from my lips, so don't trip. I come in peace while slave victims come in pieces. I release the slaves of the beast and have them head out east. Sunrise, some dumb as a doorknob, then then some wise. Some ignore the signs that lie dead in the eye. But watch the laughter of those on the other side. Dead giveaways, so hide your kids, hide your wife. Ain't nobody got, got no time for that. So you the butt of the joke, cause you poor and black. Side. And if you go loco, you will go viral. Hey, my mom on YouTube, congrats, it's a gyro. And a coke and a smirk. Now, get back to work, get 15 seconds of fame is down the drain. Truth hurts. I know, I know, I know. But when you get a great groove like that and it's so cool and, it, and you, obviously it's a huge amount of work to make that. Yeah, it doesn't great. just come from nowhere. I mean, it's all sorts of things going on. All and original sound, no samples either. Like, really? Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I take those sounds. I have sessions and Make it happen. Make yeah, one of the set, not this track, but Governor. I actually have um, uh, uh, Shannon Powell um, that plays with the Preservation Hall yeah. on drums. Yeah, so he let's did take a, a listen to that. I like yeah, Governor. Dean, that's MF Doom on the on the rhyme, and I'm on the production. Catch a throat full from the fire vocal with ash and molten glass like I am Jalotoko. The volcano out of Iceland He'll conquer and destroy the rap world like the white man Learned from a pro as a mentor Started with a bird nest and burnt it to a sender Gotta get the party kicking Plus a little charred body smelted like chicken As the dollar continues to lose momentum He need land for murdered Indians to represent them Gold was up, urging all thugs Trading out chains for cash and splurging on drugs A more secure investment Food and water, a couple of gallons for your cutest daughter Thank him as a Yankee fellow southerner Don't forget the general rank Hello, governor Hello, governor Vocals spill over like the rolling hills of Dover Or the Gulf War disaster preferred after 
depends on your status or your stature Whether you benefit from the prior or the lateral Get the fatter check split How much for 100,000 tons of correct shit Sell a Chinese half-price seafood Prices like a real nice street dude Who can knock the most dead birds out the sky And then spread a lie and say you know why Back, get the machine, blame it on the fireworks Clean up, y'all know where to send the wire jerks Black teeth still snack on sweets And get stacks with the quick on quick They used to sell CDs, now they got fake weed Seeds burning trees is potpourri Buyer beware, had to tell us one liar, sire be fair At least entire hair from the chair while I'm here I hate play governor, JJ for governor That's uh, on the drum rolls. That's uh, Shannon. Mm-hmm. And this song is Tom York's song of the year for 2012. So I was pretty excited about it. Tom York from Radiohead. This, this is his yeah. favorite song. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah, I was, yeah. I'm you can't do much better than that. So, yeah, I was excited about that. I love Yeah. That is cool. Who wrote the lyrics? Uh, Doom. M- uh, MF Doom. He's been around for a while. He used to be in a group called Cam D back in 91. He was on yeah. Arsenio Hall show, like, old school. <laughs> yeah. He was on Arsenio? Yeah. You remember, uh, oh, there was a group called Third Base from back then. Yeah. And uh, they were a Jewish hip-hop group. And uh, he was down with them and everything. And, yeah, they had a song on uh, Arsenio Hall show performing. Hmm. So that was a big deal. It's cool. And the video from that song was pretty Oh, famous governor. for a while, Hello Governor, too, because yeah, yeah, it's, it's got that weird yeah, the thing going, the background, the, it's like a shot in a parking lot or a basement yeah, or something, and the London. background seems to be moving, and yeah. the person is like, it's freaky as hell, yeah, it's yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the mask, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's Doom. It's yeah. Doom. Yeah, that's Does wow. he wear that mask yeah. a lot? Yeah. He, like, nobody, all the time. I've yeah. never seen his face. I mean, that's what Nobody he does. has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's one of those kind of guys. Oh, yeah. really? Trippy, well, yeah. He wears like a sort of a, like a metal. Like a gladiator. Yeah. You ever seen the gladiator? Mm-hmm. Like that, that mask, yeah. <laughs> Do you, I mean, when you're working with him, he takes it off, I assume. You know what he looks rarely, like. Rarely, yeah. You but see, I know what he looks like, but rarely. Like, he wears really, that in a studio? Yeah. Oh, that's my. like his. Nice. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's a method. Okay. Method uh, actor, musician. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a lot of it's in the costume. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. A lot no. of it's in the costume. Really, it, yeah, it, it really like that is a per- like that's not that's a whole other thing going on. Yeah, yeah you know. When he puts that on, he becomes doom. Becomes doom. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's, yeah, it's that's really, scary. Yeah, it's interesting working with him. You know, the great guy. I love the guy. You know, like the song Governor. I like I like the fact that like nowadays in rap, you don't really hear no one talking about like anything meaningful. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I hate to say that, you know, but let's keep it real, you know. Um, you know, he addresses a lot of things that uh, people are scared to address, I feel. And mm. I like that, you know, he brings light to certain things, you know. Well, it's, it's intellectually yeah. stimulating and interesting mm-hmm. and challenging rather than just angry and complaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Or, that's very interesting. And the you same think. with your music as well. How Thanks. did you guys hook up? Well, well, I've been a fan of his since, since back you know what I mean? Right. Since I was younger. Since I seen you. Did you yeah. tell him that I used to watch you when I was yeah. three yeah. years old on a scene? That always goes down well. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I've been, he's actually the guy that inspired me without even really thinking about it. I didn't really think about it until I realized, like, well, well yeah, I do sample Brazilian music. I, I did a lot of sampling of Brazilian music at one time, and it had a lot to do with his song called Peach Fuzz, yeah. where he sampled a, a Brazilian guitar riff. And, um, it was really nice, and I was like, man, I love that. And that was the first time I ever heard it in hip-hop. So, you know, I just kind of was inspired by that and kind of ran off with it. And you see my name, Gennaro Jarrell, so it really inspired right. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of myself. So to work with him, you know, it's really cool. Um, so you just got in touch with him and said, hey, I'm... Yeah, well, funny thing is, uh, how did it all happen? I met him at Winter Music Conference in Miami. Um, he worked with a, a mutual friend, Mad Lib, which is from Oxnard, California, and they did an album together at that time, and I was like 2000, I want to say 2003, 2000, and um, yeah, I talked to him, but me and him have mutual friends, actually, you know, and then when I sent him music, he really was into it, he became a fan of my music, which was cool, and um, yeah, from there. The interesting thing about you is that 
I guess you're like a you're you're in the circle of hip hop artists and and producers, and everyone must know who you are, and you have an incredible reputation. But you've done the public doesn't probably have a clue who you are. I mean, you've done all these things under such so many different names. I'm so below the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but there's all these different it's names cool. that you've you've produced stuff under, like mm-hmm. Doctor Doctor Who. That did that come from anything from here? I actually believe it or not, it does it. I, I actually got that from being inspired by Doctor Who, the, the British television, <laughs> television show. <laughs> Way to let your nerd flag fly. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. And I, and I loved, like, I was really inspired by the intro music. It was all, like, synthesis and Bob Moog style. What is that, like, strange at bass line? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. It's like, woo, you know, one of those. I can't think of it now. Like but, a yeah. theremin or something? <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. But, like, really weird and... And I always like was into that. I always had this little weird, quirky side to me. And um, I was like, yeah, that's really cool. So to put a little hip hop twist, I was like, yeah, Doctor Who that. It was like, you know, like, you know, I just kind of did that. But it's funny, like everybody says that. Who that? Yeah. Who that? <laughs> when was the first time you figured that out when you came down here? Did yeah, you, when did I you came, hear? I didn't know that before I got here. And then when I got here, I was like, really? I couldn't believe it. I took all these pictures from my fans. <laughs> it was like, whoa, that's you. Was, you were supposed to be there. Like that's. Just, yeah. This is like your place. You're, yeah, you're like, meant to be. Meant to be. Yeah, that is yeah. great. Great. To be, so. What a weird well, thing to happen to you. Out. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, so yeah, that's how that's that great. came about. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Hey, so but uh, you think? Are you looking to be like an artist? Have you ever thought about being an artist rather than? Uh, how do you see yourself as an artist or a, or a producer? Artist. An artist. Um, yeah, because uh, the way I start, I've been like I, I've been making music forever. You know, I've, like a like I did the show in Tyler, Texas, way years ago. Like, um, I was in a group and uh, I was doing a rap and I wasn't well I did produce the track me and my cousin we all produced the track together that's before everybody made a big deal about who produced what just kind of like right. we all got together made a song <laughs> right somebody's got to do it the yeah. credit is the, the band like we nobody's like specific yeah <clears throat> so I was one of the guys that helped out with the track but like as time progressed what happened was I, um, I was a rapper in a group and a singer and I had other artists that were musicians I mean um, lyricists but none of us could produce except for, you know, at the time, like, we didn't have enough money. So what would happen is I would get tapes and, like, listen to, like, dub music or classic rock, whatever, jazz, and, like, loop it. And, you know, on a tape deck, though, <laughs> you know, and count for measure, you know. Wow. You know, and count for bars, pause it, rewind it, do it again to make a loop. And we made demos off of those things. Cool. So wow. That's what I knew I had an ear for, like, like good choosing good pieces of music then i just started taking a crack at just making melodies my own self and um it worked out do you have any formal training at all music no not at all um well i used to play the trombone but that's nothing i went to school to play horn did you go to college or anything no i mean not really i mean i kind of did that's a yes or no question no (laughs) (laughs) i did but it's not worth talking right (laughs) so you just you basically just started playing and Everything took off from it. Yeah, just started playing and then, you know, rapping. And I put out my uh, first album with an official record label, um, Three Piece Puzzle. That's me rapping. I produced it. I mixed it. I did everything. And uh, that record did really well. I got a lot. That's what put me on the map as far as, like, people knowing what I was capable of doing. So what would you tell kids today listening to this? Someone's listening to you because they're a fan of yours Mm -hmm. and they want to get into the music business and they want to do what you've done. What would your advice be today? Um... Well, I got to say, I, at the time, you know, I didn't think about it uh, as far as um, the in- I When I did the album, um, I did it on my own. I didn't have, like, have to pay for studio time. I actually bought the equipment and, like, did it myself. Um, but other than that, like, now you have the Internet. I didn't have that at the time, you know, at my disposal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like people should really take advantage of owning their masters and stop, like, just you know, just to get a name and just get famous, like give away all their rights. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's played out, <laughs> you know. Right. So it's an I, easy thing to say when you've learnt that lesson. But if someone's that, offering you two hundred dollars, that's true too. And you've got nothing. That's true too, because I would have never took the first deal that I have. I would never do that now, of course. Yeah, you know, right. like it was really um, at that time. Well, it's a lot of money to some people, but it was like three hundred and fifty. I mean, um, thirty-five hundred bucks. 
you know, thirty five hundred dollars, which is yeah, yeah. a lot of money yeah. when you got yeah. nothing at the time. And it you, was like, you don't know you're any good at that right. point. You I, thought, I, I, I would have narrowed down. I would have made the album ten songs. I gave him like twenty three. <laughs> yeah, Holy moly. I was just desperate to just like, oh, I got right. all this. But music. were they all like a minute and twenty five seconds long? <laughs> no, I wish. I wish the album was actually too long. It was over an hour or something. Yeah, it was like I just gave too much. Oh. But uh, it worked out. You know, EMI ended up taking the um, publishing and. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Mm. <laughs> so what's the lesson today is retain your rights retain to whatever you've got. Yeah. Really, right. It's really important. Um, you know, the internet now, like, the, it's easier to get to the fans than right. before. You know, before you had to get, you know, on a record deal and have your stuff in the stores. And now people can just click a mouse right. and go yeah. Yeah. You know, to now your website. And yeah. Yeah. Okay, really listen, you that. guys, it's, we <laughs> the hour's up. We've got to get out of here. Lynn, have you got a really short song you can end with? Or something? No, not too short. Uh, something, just something we can end on, <laughs> so we can hear you sing again. Doesn't have to be totally short. Can we, we can fade out. No, we don't want to fade out on you. Nothing staring holes in the air. Try to tell me something you don't even know yourself. Been around some. This place takes your breath and it leaves you dry today. There's nothing left but a touch. Untouched. Tell me, tell me. Yeah, on you, my mama, so sad. My mama, mind is so sad. You tell me something real. Tell me, tell me, baby, how does this feel? You try to tell me something you don't even know yourself. I've been down some. Everybody's got a meeting upstairs, yeah. Everybody's got a day with the air, yeah. Tell me, are you scared? Are you scared? Tell me, tell me, how, how could I get on you, my mind so sad? My mind is so sad. Tell me, how, how could I get on you? My, my mind is so sad now. My, my, my mind is so sad. But it was the last place I ever thought to look. It was the last chance, last chance I ever took. short version that was a nice way to end the last yeah. chance i ever talk on love i don't usually <laughs> sing this early so that sounded great yeah, thank you thank lynn thank you so much for joining us lynn thank Drury, you for having me as well as janera Jarrell. it's good to be here and veronica yes you were going to tell us something before we left oh, veronica um, russell were you going to tell us what we should know well um, we've got we've got some upcoming events with louisiana history alive we're starting a new program at the shadow box on the third sunday of every month starting in march oh cool uh, it's going to be an open salon for uh audiences to come and they can hear members of the company give talks in character so you could hear john james audubon perhaps give a talk about bird watching or um josie arlington is probably going to have a talk about patent medicine and uh, uh, uh substance abuse uh, oh, at the turn fun. of the 20th century <laughs> should, um, we, should we wearing a corset uh, yes we'll be we'll be in character we'll be in cost in in character in costume um and there will be not only the people presenting, but there will be some other members of the company in attendance. So you'll be able to meet three or four members of the company as well as listen to um, a discussion led by them. And then we're going to be doing um, Venus and Fur again in Lafayette in May. Oh, so okay. We'll and we have a link to your stuff on our website. It's newwarmers.com. Yeah, oh, I hope so. Great. As yeah. well. It's yeah. LouisianaHistoryAlive.com.
Yeah, and then uh, uh, we have uh, the Vibrant Experience going on on the 15th at Gaza Gaza. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. Um, it's going to be a lot of um, electronic music with live musicians kind of thing going on. And that's uh, once a month at Gaza cool. Gaza, the Vibrant yep. Experience. Yep, so come check us out. Yeah, we definitely will. And Lynn, you're all around town as well. I'm going to be at Gaza Gaza on the 16th oh, cool. with the Honey Pots. Right. We can sleep out. Honey Pots, so I'll be with uh, Monica McIntyre and Margie Perez okay. doing the trio. And then the 26th. Um, I'll be at DBA with my band. All right. So. And we'll have a link to all your stuff on our LynnDrury.com. Very good. Thank you so much. That's Happy Hour yeah. for today. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. Our theme song was written and is being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products around, including... Studio One Music Production Software, Studio Live Digital Mixing Consoles, Eris, Studio Monitors, and much more. You can visit presounds.com for more information about that. If you'd like to be on our show, you can stay upright for about an hour and drink a lot of these cocktails. Drop us a line. Our address is on our website. We can also find tons more happy hours to listen to, as well as other shows. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the game with the fabulous Chris True and Tammy Nelson Vietnam or our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with the Vietnamese Terry Gross Kim Vu and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. You can keep up with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and a bunch of other times sucking social media as well. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. Take a moment to rate and review us if you would. That does help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Casa Borrega here on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. Casa Borrega is a nightclub, a music venue, a restaurant, and a great bar where you can enjoy cocktails such as the ones we've been imbibing here. Check it out. They're also on Facebook and Twitter. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworlders.com for Andrew Duhon, who's actually off at the Grammys because his album, The Moorings, is a Grammy-nominated album. Yeah. Yeah. So well, good luck to check out Andrew Duhon's album, The Moorings, and hopefully it's going to win a Grammy. For Andrew Duhon, everyone back at the INO office around here, at the table at Castle Borrego. I'm Grant Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next time on Happy Hour. Mm-hmm.